This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. I got questions part four. Let's do this. All right, so what are we going to ask today? Uh, We've been asking a couple questions, a few questions this month. Uh, What is a Christian? What is the church? What is a pastor? And uh, we're going to kind of sum it all up today uh, and talk about... um, Here is the question for today, folks. Um, How do we grow from here? How do we grow from here? Okay, and so uh, we're gonna talk about that, okay? So here we go, let's jump right in. I got some scriptures for you, and um, I hope that this ministers to you. So Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us. Holy Spirit, breathe life into us. Holy Spirit, you are here. Holy Spirit, you are God. Holy Spirit, you reveal the truth to us. You lead us into all truth. So Holy Spirit, uh, we worship you and we believe that you're going to breathe on this word and speak to us today. Give us revelation, Lord. Give us insight. Help us to become mature sons and daughters of God, Lord, help us to mature into the bride, the spotless bride that you are returning for. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and all God's people said amen. All right, here we go. Um, How do we grow from here? So we're going to talk about, we talk about discipleship. We're going to talk about discipleship and kind of how Christian, church, and pastor all kind of, all right, mix into this thing for us and it's called spiritual growth. And uh, the Bible word used to kind of describe that is disciple or disciples. I don't think the word discipleship is in the Bible, but we know disciple, it's just disciplined learner um, is all over the book. I mean, um, the gospels alone, pretty, that word is used a lot also in the book of Acts when it's describing Christians. It's actually interesting. Even some that um, initially had gotten saved, they immediately describes them as Christian or as, you know, or those that got saved, the language given to them initially was not Christian. It was disciple. So disciples of Christ, disciples of Jesus. All right, so here we go. So let's talk about this as we've done in our true form here this month. We talk about what discipleship isn't. So here we go. Um, Discipleship is not leadership development. Um, Every organization in the world, not everyone, but most of them have some sort of leadership development going on in them. Uh, Churches do as well because they're operating in an organizational context. But let's be clear, discipleship is not leadership development. Right, discipleship also in that context, within that context, discipleship is not adopting, learning, or memorizing a local church's organizational culture. Right? And so that just because somebody, you know, is in a church and they've memorized the vision of that actual church and they kind of know the values, the core values, the 
they're, they're kind of, you know, every church has got something like that, whether it's documented or not, you know, every church kind of being that it is operating as an organization in some context, they kind of have that going on. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We as Hopeland Church have those things in place, but let's just separate the two. Um, being a Christian isn't about knowing and memorizing and I don't know, just kind of adopting a local church's um, organizational culture. Um, in an organizational context, those things have their place. And I believe they do have their place in the church just because of the context we operate in. But um, at the end of the day, the call of the church isn't to get people to adopt their organizational vision. The goal of the church is discipleship. They're uniquely different. So once again, discipleship is not leadership development. Okay, discipleship is not adopting, learning, memorizing, and memorizing a local church's organizational culture. Um, and even in the church, there is leadership. In the early church, there is leadership. Um, there is, that word is used very rarely in the church, uh, in, the, in the Bible that is, but the word is used, um, it's, a, it's a spiritual gift in Romans 12. It's described as a spiritual gift along with serving, mercy, hospitality, I think is in there too, uh, and leadership is in there, prophecy is in there in that particular group of spiritual gifts in Romans 12. And the um, Bible says if, you, if, you're, if your gift is leadership, then do it diligently. Okay, um, so anyway, but here's the point. Leadership is unique, okay? It's unique. Um, discipleship is general, meaning discipleship is for everybody. Discipleship is for every born-again believer, every Christ follower. Um, that It's general because it's for everybody. Leadership is unique. Um, leading in a local church is not for everybody. It's just not the content, it's just not, okay? So um, that is not the pathway for everybody. Um, but I'll tell you this, for every born again believer, discipleship is the pathway, okay? So leadership is unique. And, and this is from my own experience of being a pastor in the local church, leading my own church, and also being a staff pastor for 11 plus years. And leadership is unique. And I'm speaking from a, local church context because, um, you know, it's, it's based on gifting. Okay. It's not based on being born again. And I understand we, we live in our, in our world. We live in this kind of hyper leadership culture where, you know, we hear things like everything rises and falls on leadership and leadership is the difference maker and leadership is the lid. And there's all these things. And I, I'm not opposing all of that. I'm just saying all of that is not discipleship. Um, you know, uh, but leadership really is based on gifting from a scriptural viewpoint. It's also based on capacity um, and yes, maybe even season of life for somebody, like maybe because of their life and the demands and the calling on their life to do what they're doing. They don't have the time, capacity, bandwidth or whatever to even lead in the local church. So, but in the midst of the busyness of that person's life, their own calling out there in the world, their profession running their own business or businesses or going to school or whatever, being a full-time parent or whatever that calling that season is, um, you know, it doesn't matter. So season, calling, and capacity and gifting do not determine whether you ought to be discipled or not, right? Um, 
doesn't matter time, place, spiritual maturity, or immaturity for that matter. Wherever, the, wherever a person is, discipleship is the call of the believer, okay? But leadership is based on just all these other variables, okay? And so, and, uh, and even in the church world, when you get into leadership in the local church, right, there is an organizational context because if, if I'm honest, much of leadership that is required in the church is because of the organizational context. If there was no organizational context whatsoever, like in some nations where they cannot legally operate as an organization, they are not honored or sanctioned by the state, they are still organized and they still have leadership. But if you look at the early church in the book of Acts, leadership was pastoral and discipleship driven. But in the local church in our world here, and I'm speaking of the Western world, America, much of our leadership we have in church is those that adopt and or just have organizational acumen. The, the good and bad of it, but that is the true reality, and that is not discipleship. Can I get an amen, somebody? What, how, how do we know this? Because you could have somebody that's a great disciple, a follower of Christ, somebody that is learning and growing and, 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 and developing in their spiritual gifts and, and, and walking with the Lord and, and, and literally walking in and anointing from God and, dis, and maybe even being discipled, discipling others. And they, they're, they're a leader in that sense, but they possibly could be a horrible organizational leader. And not because they're bad or they're, they're missing something. It's just not what they're called to do. Can I get an amen? And it's possible to have a great organizational leader. Come on. I'm speaking, as a, I'm speaking from experience now. It is possible to be a great organizational leader and um, be lacking in spiritual things. That there's a person, there's, pers there's people, a person could be a great gifted leader Okay, but still need um, deliverance and healing and even potentially, I'm even talking about in the church world, even a fresh encounter with Jesus. Okay, so, so how do we grow from here? And I'm telling you right now, the pathway to spiritual growth for every believer is going to be discipleship. All right, let's go to the scripture, Acts chapter 14. Verse 21 and 26, you'll notice this month I'm spending a lot of time in the book of Acts because you talk about church, Christian, pastor, and discipleship. I mean, that's that's the model right there. All right, so this is in Acts 14, um, of course, because I just said it. But, uh, but in this chapter, um, Paul was just stoned. The disciples surrounded him. He got up, went to the city, and he's just preaching like crazy, going all over um, you know, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, and all over the place, preaching the gospel, gathering with God's people, teaching, stuff like that. And so this is this is a cool verse in its context as to how the church operated and what was really going on in the context there. So here we go. Let's read it quickly here. And then we'll get into some more points here and just some thoughts here on discipleship and spiritual growth. So once again, Acts 14, verse 21 to 26. Here we go. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, Made, made many disciples. 
It could have been immature disciples, not truly developed, because, I mean, it's, as it appears here, they just got saved. But look at the context. Look at the language. Saved. Man, they're a disciple now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you're with anybody and participating in this, look at them and tell them you are a disciple. All right, so here we go. Once again, and when they preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, uh, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith. To continue in the faith. All right, I'm gonna continue to read, but I just feel like kind of, jumping in and maybe talking a little bit as we read through this, but here it is. This isn't an official point, but I, I want you to write this down because this says it all right here. Okay, here it is. Discipleship is all about the journey after the encounter. Okay, too many times we got Christians chasing encounter after encounter. Seek the Lord, you're gonna have encounters. Paul said, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. It will be on the journey. But I think sometimes, I think we gotta be careful that we are chasing, if we're honest, we must ask ourselves a question. I got questions, right? And we must ask ourselves a question. Am I just chasing the feeling? Am I just wanting that euphoric feeling again? And I'm just going thinking some kind of event or meeting or gathering is gonna give me my fix. And we gotta be careful because um, here they became disciples and their, his encour their encouragement to them wasn't, hey, you need to get to the next meeting. You need to get into the next meeting. You need to get into that whatever conference or whatever. I'm not saying anything wrong with these. I'm, I'm speaking of discipleship now. And verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, to continue in the faith, all right? And so once again, discipleship is, is all about the journey after the encounter. That's what it is. It's, it's getting saved is the beginning of discipleship. Encountering Jesus is the beginning of discipleship. So strengthening the, the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Okay, verse 23. So when they had appointed elders in every church, see, look at that. There was, they were organized, but elders were there to oversee. They were overseers. They were there to watch over people's souls. Elder overseer is pastoral. It really speaks of counsel to believers, um, care. It's what we talked about last week, okay? And so their structure, the early church's structure, folks, was pastoral. It, the structure was in place to disciple. The governance of the early church was all about caring for, nurturing, and discipling people. Okay, so I just read two verses and it says disciple twice. And then it goes on to say that, hey, y'all need to stay in the game here because it's gonna get rough. It's gonna get, it's not gonna get any easier. And then it says they um, appointed elders in every church and, and prayed with fasting. Okay, look at this. They, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Like kind of like, hey, y'all, you know, keep it going. Keep keep the fire lit, right? Keep, keep the fire lit. 
continue with the Lord. Here are some elders, some overseers to help you in your walk with God. That's what it was. Verse 24, and after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Verse 25, now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had commended, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Okay, so in the context of this, I know, man, we're looking at a church, a literal church environment, a community of believers, a local church environment, Christian community, some 2,000 years ago. But this is the word of God, man. This is God-breathed. We're looking at the actual model, and this model was discipleship-driven, nurturing of God's people-driven, pastorally-driven, Somebody say amen. So what is discipleship? What is it? What is discipleship? It is the mandate of the church and the mandate of pastoral ministry. Like that is what we find in church. That is what a church is in a community for. It is to disciple God's people to encourage them to continue in the Lord. Come on, somebody. That is what local church eldership and governance is. I am here to disciple you. All right. And so what is it? Let me let me break it down a little bit more too. What is discipleship? Okay, it is it is to the individual, okay, for the individual now. It is pursuit of Christ and growing in faith within the context of Christian community. Okay, so this is like the, there's like these, um, we're gonna get into these things, okay? These three things that kind of, that we see in the in the scripture, and even in the life of Jesus, walking the earth with his disciples, there was these three elements happening, and we see this in, the, in Acts as well, okay? Um, but it is it is pursuit of Christ, growing in faith, within the context of Christian community, okay? And so this context of discipleship or this, or discipleship, there's there's a context, okay? There, there's, and the local church should be known for discipling God's people. I, I don't, I don't, and I, what I'm talking about now is, is spiritual growth on the journey. Okay, are there are there are these are these are there these these other elements? I don't know why I was mumbling there, but are there other aspects and other things included? In, 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 in yes, it, but when we when we talk about a believer getting up on a Monday morning. Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, in the rhythm of their life, the local body that they are a part of is there for their spiritual growth and discipleship so they can go be in the world, but not of it. And I was gonna say this too, I'll throw this in there before we get into this this next verse, is we as believers, when it comes to discipleship, you know, it's not a program. It's not a system. It's not academia. It's not Bible college. It's not, it's not 
um, ministry training schools. Um, those have elements of this, and I'm not taking anything away from that. But Christians need the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. We need fresh encounters with the living God. Discipleship just isn't all our effort and discipline. We are spirit-empowered people. And on the journey with God, a.k.a. the life of discipleship, the life of a follower of Christ, there absolutely must be moments where we encounter God again in the power of the Holy Spirit, however that is. Why? Because this is a literal thread of Jesus' ministry on the earth throughout the Gospels, and it is a thread. It is a thread throughout the book of Acts. So we aren't just adopting disciplines, adopting a theology. We are walking with God and encountering the power of the Holy Spirit in our life's journey. Can I get an amen, somebody? Here it is, the quintessential verses on discipleship, okay? And the call and mandate of the church. Like I said, discipleship is the mandate of the church and pastoral ministry. This is it. Um, this is the litmus test of true pastoral ministry, authentic church community. I'm telling you, here it is, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. There it is. There is the mandate of the church. What, where was, where was like stop number one for the church? To go back to what I just said about the power of the Holy Spirit, where was stop number one? Um, the upper room, 120 people. Hey guys, Terry, wait, Holy Spirit's gonna come. How did the church even begin? In boots on the ground, in actuality, chronologically, the starting point, the day of Pentecost. What was significant about the day of Pentecost? The power of the Holy Spirit. What was significant about the church beyond that point, time and time again, the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit operating, devils getting cast out of people, people getting raised from the dead, people getting saved by the, by, by the, through the preaching of the word, people getting filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then them having a boldness from the Holy Spirit to actually preach and teach and obey God in the midst of intense persecution, the murder of Christians, martyrs, Stephen, um, the, uh, one of the elders, right? James murdered, right? In the early church. And so, yet they just kept preaching. Um, say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, at the onset of even saying, hey guys, this is what you're called to do here. This is it, man. I'm about to go. I'm going to go be at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. What did he say What from the onset? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go. 
right? What are we going in? The power of Jesus, the power of the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not, we're not trying to get people to adopt a theology, a religion, a church culture, none of that. We are here to preach Christ and him crucified. We are here to make disciples of all nations, all right? Teaching them to observe all things, right? In the power of the Holy Spirit. So here we go. Here are the three things, all right? Tied a little diagram. Um, I put it up here, um, but I actually do. So I'm going to put it up. So as you can see, um, this kind of, this diagram I created. And so this is discipleship. These, these three elements is, you know, it's, it's doctrinal. Okay. So there's teaching. We see that in Matthew right here. We see it. We see it at all, a lot of other places, but the whole essence of discipleship is that, but we see that even when he said making disciples in the context of what Jesus said, um, before his ascension, he said, teaching them. And so discipleship is, is doctrinal. It is also behavioral, that it impacts behavior. Like true disciples are changed. And so discipleship just isn't mental ascent or theological head knowledge, but it touches behavior. And it is relational. Okay, so it is doctrinal, so there's doctrine. It impacts behavior by the power of the Holy Spirit now and the word of God and Jesus that we are changed into his image. Okay, we are transformed. And then it is relational in the context of it. So let's just talk about these for a little bit, okay? But doctrinal, it's, it's knowing uh, discipleship, being a disciple and being discipled and discipling others is about knowing what you believe. Okay, if I wanted to use a different word other than doctrine or teaching, I'd put theology there. We need to know the Bible. And I come from a generation of church where I learned a lot about Christian living or that which is applicable to me. But I didn't learn a lot about um, systematic theology or um, just the various doctrines. I did a little bit in Bible college but there's more to walking with God than just learning what actually applies to my life. And um, of course, that is a context, but to kind of, to, to know, to, to really understand theology, it is important to understand the cultural historical background, cultural historical context. This is, this is, doesn't take away from the power of the spirit or God's presence at all. It actually can just help us. We, doctrine teaching us, teaching to observe all things. So it is, it is doctrinal. It's, you know, it, it's that we must have a personal pursuit to learn the word of God. All right. So yeah, knowing what we believe that the next one, behavioral behavior or be it, that discipleship is behavioral and it's living what we believe. True discipleship, the fruit of true discipleship is Christ-likeness in those we are discipling. Hallelujah! Spiritual growth is defined by this, less of me and more of him. All right? Hallelujah! Okay? So, so like I said, the result is, the result of discipleship is and always will be Christ-likeness. Let's look at this, Acts chapter two, verse 40. Here we go. And with many other words, he testified, this is sorry, 
40 to 42. This is the early church in operation. Like This is like a picture of how the early church lived. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Okay, say when we say, you got to get saved. Verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Here it is. Here's discipleship right here. Verse 42, Acts 2, 42. Here it is. Check it out. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. There it is. Discipleship is all about the journey after your encounter with God. So the, so the third circle there in discipleship, they all intersect, and this is what makes up discipleship, is it is relational, or there are relationships. Like, th this is the context now. Now, I can go to college, sit in a classroom, and get a degree. It's very linear. Now, my education might impact other parts of my life, and it might open my mind up to some things, but discipleship is not linear. Discipleship isn't read your Bible, pray, go to church. I'm telling you, if you just read your Bible, pray, and attend church, and yet you have no inner circle of God's people around you in any context, I'm telling you, you're gonna lack spiritual growth because true discipleship is not necessarily defined as studious or it's defined by academia, even if that academia is theology. Why? Because there's something in the way God created us and the way he determined the bride to operate as a body and that we are fitly joined together and every part does its share that we might grow, right? Like that, that, that's what Ephesians 4 is all about, right? It's, and, and there's something about Christ in us and us being connected to the body that through the relational context, we grow. How? Um, we're encouraged by other people. We are challenged by other people. We are even frustrated by other people. God even uses the difficult people in our life to cause us to grow spiritually. I am telling you, through the good, the bad, the frustrating, the love, the comfort, the discomfort of all of what relationships in God bring us and in the kingdom of God actually bring us, through all of that, I am telling you, we will not grow otherwise. We won't grow. We need it. It is relational, okay? So once again, relationship or discipleship. Discipleship is lived out in and through relationships. Discipleship is not a program, okay? It is not a classroom. It is not the result of academia. It is not the result of Sunday church attendance alone. Here it is, guys. It's impossible to truly grow spiritually and represent Christ authentically without being connected to God's people, right? It, you won't grow without it. Scripturally speak, just, just, just scripture, Ephesians 4 alone, or just the verse I just read, what was the result of salvation? 
Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. They, they, there's plural out, plurality in the body. All right? So this is why, and this is proven in any context of learning. This is proven. And this is why people grow faster and deeper in faith when they put themselves in small circles. That's why a lot of churches, like even in big churches, okay, just mega churches, if they if they make an effort to create environments that are small, when people engage in those environments, Bible study, prayer, and even those that might even just be heavily relationally based small circles, whatever they want to call them, small groups, connect groups, cell groups, I'm telling you, those people will develop and grow spiritually and they'll find fulfillment. Um, that, that is what it is. So I'm not saying a program, a program of small groups is the answer to spiritual growth. Um, and we do them. We call them hope groups, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily advocating that program. What I'm saying is that is a context of the biblical scriptural method of spiritual growth and development and fulfillment. It's in relationships. That's how God made us. That's how God made us. And that's how God created us to develop and grow spiritually. There's, there's this, I believe that is a missing element in people's growth um, is true accountability in relationship and even um, being a follower of Christ that you are missional in your relationships as well. What am I saying? Sometimes we look at churches, a church organization, and we'll say, man, that church is really missional. Like we're looking at this organization, like they do a lot for the community, they're missional. And that's cool. But can I say something more important than that? Is that we as believers are missional, that we are relationally connected to people that we are pouring into. You know, and sometimes I think people, it's easier to be part of an organization that's missional. You know what I'm saying? You just show up and you kind of come to the event. We're missional. But it's the call of the believer isn't that you're a part of a missional church organization. The call of the believer is to be missional in our life. How many people were, was, was Paul and the early church leaders just connected to people and, and, and around people, pouring into people? Jesus himself proved this. I mean, walking the earth. His very existence was missional. He's our example so discipleship just isn't about people pouring into me and me listening to somebody else. It's, it, it, it's, it's both and. It's, it's, I, I'm, I'm missional in my life, and I am also receiving from people in my life. I'm connected relationally. I'm telling you, this is, this is the, I'm telling you, having a pursuit for Jesus and a love for his word, and you having be intentional about good works and, and that allowing God to change you and your behaviors is, is one and two. But I'm saying this many times is the missing element of people's spiritual growth. If all we are is theological and not relational, I'm telling you we're going to get religious and weird. People that aren't connected to people are unstable, off. There's something missing there. Can I get an amen, somebody? Can I get an amen? We need to be an authentic part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Here we go. 
Here we go, Acts 2. Here's another one. Just If we move down in Acts 2 just a little bit, just a little bit, uh, verse 46 and 47 kind of says the same thing, maybe a different way, but here it is. Here it's talking about the church. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So there we go, discipleship, folks. And I want to get into just something else concerning our spiritual growth. And here we go. I'm going to go quickly, okay? This last part, I have a lot of notes today, and I really want to get through it, at least to give it to you so you have it and you can study it on your own. And so I might move a little quick with this. I hope you're okay with it. But here we go. My next question is, is why do we serve? Okay, why do we serve? And so Mark 10, 48 45, sorry, Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. All right, so uh, disciples are like, who's great among us? Who, who's the greatest? And so Jesus is like, man, the greatest is the, the person that makes himself a servant. Okay, so there it is. Jesus is the model in the body where we're, you're gifted spiritually, use those gifts. And I'm not even saying serving and using your gifts is always in the context of the local church. That is a context, but not the context, okay? And so here it is. I want to say this, serving others. This is this is one way to connect to others. If you have trouble connecting with others, then find a way to serve them. Choose to serve somebody. Come on, come on now. So serving is a privilege. It really is. If we think about this, um, lost in our sins, we, Jesus saves us, changes our life, we get to serve now. Serving is a privilege. And I also want to speak in the, in the local church context. I want to say this, and even as a pastor, look at serving in the local church in some capacity. It is, it is, it is work. It is hard work. So serving really is a choice to carry weight. It is a choice to carry weight. I'm going to say it again, these two things. Serving is a privilege, but serving also is a choice to carry weight wait. It's not like hype and fun all the time. Can I get an amen? But I want to just read this verse. This is something I've been meditating on lately, but 1 Corinthians chapter 1. All right. Hallelujah. Verse 16 speaks of this person, Stephanus. 1 Corinthians 1, 16. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. So this, this person and their house got baptized. Very well could have been a literal church gathering to some, some sort. It's kind of alluded to Stephanus' house was actually what they would call a church, okay, back then. So let's go on in 1 Corinthians to chapter 16, verse 14, 15, and 16. So you can see how this man was discipled. Check this out. This is so cool. So the Bible clearly says that this man and his house were baptized by the Apostle Paul. So that means they were baptized because they got saved. Somebody say this with me, say encounter with Jesus. And now let's look, we're at the end of 1 Corinthians 16 and he starts to praise Stephanus and his house. And look at the, the, the result of this person's life. Like salvation and baptism wasn't the end, it was the beginning. This is what I said in the beginning, like, so, like discipleship is all about the journey after our encounter with Jesus. And look at this. This is so powerful. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that 
Let all that you do be done with love. Verse 15, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Acacia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. One version says they have addicted, addicted themselves to the service of the saints. This house, Stephanus, baptized and saved, but they gave them their lives to Jesus, walking out their discipleship. And one of those things that Paul praises is that they were servants in their local community. Verse 16, and look what he said to this, that you also submit to such. So powerful. Submit to such. And to everyone who works and labors with us. Works and labors. That's what I'm saying. I think sometimes in our church world, sometimes we kind of hype up serving in church and we want everybody to serve. For sure. But I don't think we do enough to say, hey guys, this is a responsibility. This is a burden. This is a weight. And it says it right here, man. These people working and laboring it. And he, he praised them enough. Like Paul the Apostle is like, man, this, man, submit to these kind of people. And look, the whole relational aspect, he's basically saying, look, these are the type of people to, to connect with. It, it, it's those that have devoted themselves to serving, right? And so it is a burden. Serving is a weight. And it's not that it's a bad weight or a bad burden, but it is, it is a responsibility. I know we hear a lot today in the church world, like, you know, we, we want to, you know, say, you know, we don't, we don't have to serve. We get to serve. You know what I mean? Like, like that's pretty, that's pretty common, right? And yes, it's true. But, but with this whole notion of when church leadership is just kind of pushing that narrative, like, hey guys, we don't say we have to serve around here. We say we get to serve. When and that's coming like top down from, from leadership. And it's kind of this language we want to adopt. You know what I'm saying? It kind of caused me to think, wait, I got some questions. I have some questions about this. And my whole point with this, guys, is that um, this could be, and I'm not saying people do this, but I, I'm a pastor and I have questions about this because if we're pushing this thing or it's got to be this, I mean, um, I have a question. Could it be that we're potentially um, ignoring the potential for burnout for people? And saying I get to serve, um, honestly, it must be a personal conviction and not something that like an executive leader drives to garner volunteer support. I get it. Because if people can't say that, then there's a struggle it's possible that they may not need to be serving right now. Maybe they're just not ready. Maybe they got too much going on, right? Like there is, we must ask those questions, okay? So the truth is, in all honesty, for everybody, that there are gonna be times where you're like, you know what? I don't feel like it, but I have to serve, <laughs> right? And but, but if this is a chronic thing, if it's something that's vexing and troubling somebody, then it might be time to pause on serving and maybe you do need to sit and sit meaning just sit and receive can i get an amen okay and so here's the point i want to end with this is we must learn to evaluate ourselves we're talking about spiritual growth we must learn 
to evaluate ourselves enough to say, you know what, how am I doing? How am I doing spiritually? Is there anything in my life that isn't right? Is there, is there, is there, is there sin in my life? Is, is there something in my life that I need to get right? I need to, I need to repent. I need to get free. I need deliverance. I need some healing because if I serve with this, it's not going to be good. If I, if I put myself into a place of influence in a local church, it's like, man, I don't need to be doing that. I just need to come and receive and sit and learn. Can I get an amen, somebody? So here's the point. Here's my last question. We need to ask ourselves this. I want you to go home with this. How am I doing spiritually? I want you to ask yourself that question and, and seek the Lord. How am I doing spiritually? Allow yourself before God to do a stock of where you're at. I love you and I'm believing for your spiritual growth. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.